0: Hi, my name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and your fellow therapy nerd. I really like the Bad Therapy series. I like breaking these concepts down for people to apply to their own therapy experiences. And so far, I've had a fantastic response from people. Almost nothing but gratitude and even thanks for helping them to see that their therapist wasn't cutting it for them and it was time to move on. Only a couple people have actually had an issue with this series. And they were both therapists. So... These are actual examples of therapy experiences from my listeners slash followers. Before you listen to these and my breakdown of them, no one is a perfect therapist. I don't even know what that looks like. I've made mistakes in therapy. There are things I wish I could redo. But the situations in the bad therapy series are outside of, way outside of what is helpful in therapy. Some are just dumb. Some are really dumb, some are mind-bogglingly dumb, and if I sound judgmental to you, so be it. <laughs> I'll take. I'll. I'll live with that. All right. Number one, this person said one therapist used to blame my family for everything. I called it hate-inducing therapy. The therapist said my dad's an alcoholic too. I get it. Instead of asking questions to see that my real issue was is abuse not alcohol. So there's a number of issues in this in this one. Um, and I didn't even write this one down, but I'm going to go into just real quick self-disclosure. Self-disclosure is not necessarily a bad therapy thing. I don't do a whole lot of self-disclosure. I'd probably do more self-disclosure on the podcast or during one of these than I do in therapy. If one of my clients ever found out that I do this, my one of my, the kids I work with, and they listen, they would learn a lot more about me than they know about me. And that's how I've always been. It's not, um, a, a recent thing. I've just never really done a whole lot of self-disclosure in my parenting groups. I'll share, um, like real life parenting stories, but with the teens that I work with, I don't do a whole lot of self-disclosure. And for the most part, they don't really care. Um, some keen teens are very interested in that, but I don't do much self-disclosure. So, but I know other therapists that do a lot of self-disclosure but seem to do it in more of um, like they have a line or a boundary or it's an empowerment kind of thing um, and they really that's how they connect. So I don't think it's bad necessarily, but in particular, this, the quote here is, my dad's an alcoholic too, I get it. And it's, this self-disclosure seems more dismissive or minimizing. And... We can't assume that the stuff we've been through is similar or exactly like or even remotely close to what the client's going through. So saying that I get it, that might be true, but it's more of, it sounds like that sentence in particular, if it's accurate, is more close ended where it's like, it's a, there's a period at the end of that sentence, not my dad's an alcoholic too. What's it been like for you? That w- which is more of, I I can relate. What's it like for you in particular? So that might be a little bit different. Um, This one is, my dad's an alcoholic too, I get it, period. Without the invitation for a follow-up or for clarification. If anything, I think that, and there's no 100% right way to do self-disclosure, but I would think that putting that at the end might be more helpful, and I, I may be wrong about that when the client's talking about something they've been through, I want to make sure I'm listening to that. That's the most important thing. Now things are gonna pop in my mind about my own history and whatnot, but I kind of tuck those away and then I really make sure I'm focusing on uh, the client in front of me and what they're saying, what their experience is without interjecting my own experience and especially minimizing it or, or shutting it down because if I've been through it and I'm okay, like you know, then this person should be okay as well. Like that's not how it works. But you have to make sure that we're with the client in front of us and not shutting down shutting down that uh, avenue of conversation. But I think with this in particular, the thought I had here is less is more. And with this client, it sounds like they were not feeling listened to. She's she I don't even remember who it was. She he said, instead of asking questions to see that my real issue is abuse, not alcohol. And so maybe if that therapist had pulled back a little bit and done more listening, that they would have heard the real issue. What we hear is the issue may not be the issue for the client. And this is something that should be addressed. I mean, session number one is, why are you here? How can I support you in your goals? And that's a lot different than me saying, this is what's wrong. This is what you need to fix. What I want for the client may not match up for what they want for themselves. And ultimately, it's up to the client, I think. I mean, it's up to both of us, but I can't get someone to do something unless they're willing to. So that, that has to be an open conversation between the therapist and the client. Um I do feel very comfortable saying, like, um I'm seeing some issues that I'm concerned about. Is it okay if we address those? And that's never, it's never been an issue. But there are times, like, especially I work with kids in school, where I'm saying where I'm recognizing like your motivation to succeed in school is super low. But then rather than saying, let's fix this, my question is, is school important to you? Because if it's not important to you, then increasing your motivation doesn't make sense. But when they say, no, school is important to me and I want to graduate and have a good job or whatever, then we can come back to the issue that I'm seeing, which is, well, but your motivation is super low or you're not following through with what you're saying is important to you. So is this a goal that we can work on as well as the motivation level or the follow-through, or, or whatever it is, or whatever it is that's stopping you from succeeding in school. But that 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 can't happen unless we openly discuss. Like, this is what I'm seeing. Can we agree on this or, or no? But I think less is more. A lot of listening is a good idea um, without interjecting and interrupting and um, deciding what the issue is for the client. Um, I also think with this one, it says one therapist used to blame my family for everything, I called it hate inducing therapy. It's interesting that there was actually a word or a phrase that the client had for it. There's a, there's a very, very fine line in uh, taking sides. And we, I, I don't think we should be taking sides. There's, there's always more to the story, always more to the story. So taking sides versus um, being supportive and listening and understanding that this, it's, it's different. So to me, this is the, one of the differences could be validating an experience versus agreeing with the reality or the, the, the truth of the experience. So a client sharing their experience, right, and how they feel about it, I can validate that. That's easy. That doesn't mean I'm taking a side. It just means that I can validate what you've been through. I hear you. Um, I can see why you're feeling that way, like a lot of normalization kind of stuff as well. That's different than saying, yeah, your parents do suck. You know what I mean? That That's a lot different. So that's how you felt in that situation, whatever it was. Um, I can see why you feel that way. Yeah, right. Like that feeling, blah, blah, blah. But them saying, my parents, I hate my parents, and then me saying, yeah, I hate them too. Like that's, (laughs) or like your parents do suck. Like that's a lot different than me just simply hearing where they're at and validating the experience of what it's like to live in the home or to to live with people that maybe aren't super supportive. But uh, so there's a, there's a, Very fine line there in validation versus uh, taking a side, I think. And we really got to understand the issue. Um, I think we already said this actually. The issue that we perceive and the issue that they come in with might not be the same thing. And the issue that we perceive might come up later on, but the first thing that they come in with is the thing that might be causing them the most pain. And maybe they don't realize there's something else going on that's underneath that. Uh, But we'll get, you know, like that, those other goals we may get to in time. And maybe they just don't see right away that, that it is an issue. And we could use that, you know, forceful approach, I guess, where we're saying, no, this is this is the issue. This is what I'm seeing. And some clients can take that. Some clients can accept that. But other ones, especially with teenagers, like, you're not going to get very far with that. You really have to have someone who's open to hearing that there might be another issue there and can, and can accept that approach of that more like forceful or um, forceful is not the right word. But like more direct, I guess. If you're working with teenagers, like that's, um, it doesn't always go over very well. And the ones that I work with, (laughs) the ones I work with are not always super excited about people telling them how to live or, you know, staff people telling them what's up, authority or people they perceive as part of authority. It doesn't go over super, super well. So it's really important to like meet with the client with where they're at to start there and then figure things out after that as well. Next one. I attempted suicide at 15 years old, saw a psychiatrist who met with my dad prior to seeing me. I don't know if that means met with the dad in therapy or just maybe it was like an intake and just had a little one-on-one with the dad before before the client came in, the teen client. The psychiatrist focused on the teenager's sexual desires, why sex is bad, and prescribed Prozac. I can't comment on prescribing, so I won't do that. Never even asked about why I had attempted suicide, my anxiety or depression, etc. So I can't really comment on the psychiatric piece of this. But the therapeutic part of it, I, I definitely can comment on that. Working with teenagers can get kind of muddy. They're the client ultimately. But we also have to take into account the parents. The parents are the ones who are providing consent. The parents are typically... Involved in treatment, should be involved in treatment. A lot of the parents I work with, I can hardly get a hold of. So it's it's not that simple. Uh, or a lot of the kids I work with, I can hardly get a hold of their parents. But so, you know, every population, every situation is different. But, uh, you know, so working with teenagers can, can get a little money. Like you want to hear the parents, what the parents want. What the kid wants is oftentimes a lot different. But in this situation in particular, they're... Seem to be more of an alignment with the dad. Well, based on this person's report, at least there, there might have been more of an alignment with the dad. And we, we have to be really careful with, with that when work, especially work with teenagers who like it's their job to individuate. Teenagers are supposed to be creating their own identity. So aligning with the parent or in their perception that the therapist is aligning with the parent can, uh, be disastrous for, I think, the therapeutic relationship. So it's really a delicate balance of, of, uh, involving the parent, but really the client knowing that, like, no, I'm, you know, ultimately you are the client. I'm here for you, but, but they are your parent and we do have to involve them, um, directly as well. But it's, uh, we, we can't like take, this is again, like, we cannot take sides, especially when it comes to stuff like this. So it sounds like in this situation, there was more of a alignment with the dad and that the uh, psychiatrist took on this more authoritative. Is that the right word? Or authoritarian? Or like, elect, like they were lecturing, basically. They weren't attuning with the client. They weren't listening. They weren't seeing what the issue was or the problem was with the client. They heard what the dad wanted and probably what the dad was scared of, which is important but then addressed it with the client in more of a luxury. It didn't really sound like therapy. Um, I don't think psychiatrists typically, at least from from my experience, typically provide therapy therapy. Uh, it seems the ones that I've worked with, it's more like the medication piece, plus there's a little bit of dialogue, but it's usually pretty quick. But I know there are psychiatrists out there that actually provide therapy as well, like traditional therapy. So with this one... Um, that it was, sounds like it was more of a lecturing thing versus hearing where they're coming from. And that's with any client, no matter what age they are, is hugely important. The prior, so like I I've already kind of said the priority has to be with the client and not, not necessarily the agenda of the parents. But we also have to let the parents know like what you have to say and your input and your concerns are extremely important. I think the best way to do that is to meet with both of them in, at, the, at the beginning. And where I work now, getting the parents in is extremely difficult. Where I used to work at County Outpatient, the parents brought the kid in, so I always had the parent, more or less. I always had them there, at least in the waiting room. And that is such a huge advantage to know that I have your parent out here, like they're available, they're here. And uh, I, I can pull them in and we can do some, some therapy or during the intake process, you're both in the room. And I do the intake with both of them there and then i'll ask the parent to leave and i'll talk with the kid the teenager one on one and say all right well what didn't come up what do you want me to know about because there's always more and i'll ask them like flat out like this is what your parent wants to work on how about you what, what you know what's what is it you'd like to work on and usually there was there was a we were all on the same page cuz having everybody in the same room doing the intake process and talking about goals and talking about what needs to be worked on and what the problems are We can kind of put most things out there. We can all kind of agree on like this, this, this will be the focus of therapy. And then this will be the modality that we're going to use as far as like individual or family therapy or groups or whatever. So I I think ideally, ideally we, we have everyone in the same room. That way there's no splitting. There's no like secrets being kept or like, I guess more like teenagers not concerned about what the parent's saying without them in the room, like that kind of stuff. I think it's very, very important. And I think with this situation, it's sad that, um, this psychiatrist sounds like they really damaged the therapeutic alliance. And that's like, if you don't have that, you don't have anything, in my opinion. Um, and it probably negatively affected this teenager's, uh, expectations of therapy for the next therapist. And I, I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot with this, with the kids I work with. You know, the last therapist just wasn't listening to me, uh, was talking over me, interrupting me. Uh, or they just didn't feel like the yeah, past therapist cared. Um, so I hear that a lot. All right. The psychologist started using WhatsApp. I wonder how they knew that. While I was opening up to her, Ooh, I felt disrespected. Heck yeah, you did. Of course. <laughs> it's like, that's awful. I wonder how they knew what app it was. But um, yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, you don't use your phone in session. That's not okay. It's not okay. Using your phone for your own selfish needs, I don't think is ever appropriate using your phone uh, to as like a resource maybe to show an image or like that's different but if you're messing around on Instagram texting no it's not therapy like that has no place in therapy that's all stuff that we should be doing between sessions not not in session of course ever I, I can't imagine why that would be appropriate um so no no never use phones i feel bad as a therapist um like i have to keep track of time Especially because the kids I work with have to go back to class, and I have to keep, I have to monitor, you know, class times in my head, while also tracking therapy time and whatnot. And so I feel bad, like looking away to see the clock. It's it's like it's a little rupture when you look away, or when you look down to check a phone. It's a rupture in the um, the co-regulation that's supposed to be happening. And so what I'll do is, if I have to look at my phone for the time or my watch for the time i'll tell them like i'll just say like this is what i'm doing but that that way it's it's super transparent it's not like i've lost interest and i'm checking the time it's so they know i'm i'm telling you i'm telling them like i'm just checking the time real quick just because i want to make sure you don't miss your next class and so we can budget our time appropriately but yeah just just messing around your phone no that's never i don't think it's ever appropriate do you have so without other options? Do you have any advice on how to make bad therapy work? You just got to stop doing it. Not you, but <laughs> that the the bad ther. Ooh. It's not a bad therapist, but these bad therapy practices. Although you know, like no, there are there are bad therapists out there. I, I someone was a DM DM me a long horrible bad therapist story, and maybe we'll get to that sometime. But it wasn't just like one thing; it was ongoing, like bad therapist how to make bad therapy work, they the, just have to stop doing it. It's like, and I'm, I'm not saying like, like, we all make little mistakes. I've made mistakes. That's that's not, a, or things that I would call mistakes. That's not the issue. It's these grossly like just stupid, negligent kind of things. Using your phone is just stupid. Like, why would you use your phone in session? That client should not leave there thinking like, you know, why, like the my therapist was checking their phone. If there was an issue going on, like if your kid was going to call you, like if my child's teacher, if I'm expecting a call and it's like an emergency or I'm waiting to find out if my kid is sick or something like that, like they were sneezing in the morning, hey, call me if, if I have to come pick them up. If that's going on, like I just tell my client, like I might be getting a call while we're talking. I have my phone in my hand or it's by my side. That's what's going on. I'm still here with you. But just so you know, that's what's going on. I haven't lost interest. Uh, but just be super transparent about that stuff. But, um yeah, as far as like how to make it work is you, you just gotta stop doing that stuff and really remember like why you're there prioritize the client obviously um I can't imagine you know, i i haven't I'm just starting to work with in private practice i have I started my online private practice um and that starts next week, so I'll be for the first time accepting uh payment. I want to make damn sure I give my client their money's worth that's a lot of money dude like. <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, wasting their time and their money. It's just, maybe it's like an ethical thing, it's a work ethic thing. I don't know, but it's like, I just can't imagine doing it to someone. Like, you pay good money. I told you this is, this is the service I'm providing and what I'm going to offer. Like, I can't imagine not doing that. Just, it just seems messed up. But yeah, I just got these therapists have to stop doing these things. So someone says, been there, ended that relationship. I don't blame you, was always on the always always on the phone Uh, and then follow up, make it work from the client's perspective, not the therapist. No, I, you know, in my opinion, okay. So this is what I would say is that if you're paying for a service, you have an, a right to that service. If you're paying someone to listen to you, you should leave there feeling listened to. And if they're on their phone, I wouldn't feel very listened to. So I, I would speak up. Personally, uh actually I, I don't know I, I I may not I've been to a, a therapist where I wasn't being listened to and I just I just left um that's it's almost like I don't expect the client to suck it up and deal with it like that they've probably already done that or been doing that in their non-therapy life and we don't want to mirror that stuff as a therapist we cannot be mirroring that stuff so no it's it's um I, I love what the other person said they just you know they, they moved on. So if you believe in the therapist enough, you can say something. Like if you have a decent relationship and you're noticing that they're starting to slip or whatever it is, you can say like, hopefully the client can feel comfortable enough to say like, I'm not feeling very listened to right now. And I'll tell my clients in session one, I'll say, it's my job to listen. If you don't feel listened to, that's on me. And I say like, please, giving me feedback is always okay. It's always okay. And you're not going to hurt my feelings. And uh, I said, if if you don't think I'm, if you don't feel listened to, like, p- let me know. And I ask typically at the end of each session, I'll, I'll ask or we'll do a, a rating scale. Uh, but I'll ask, like, did you feel listened to? How did I do for you today? You know, so in my opinion, that should be pretty standard stuff for, for all of us is that we need to be getting feedback on the service that we provided. Thanks so much for listening. My hope is that this episode was helpful for you in sorting out some concerns you may have about your experiences in therapy or even entering therapy. I've got even more Polybagel podcast audio content in my members page and a forum on justinlmft.com for $5 a month. And also on the website, I have some information on how to work with me as your therapist if you're living in California. Thanks again for listening. Bye.